This episode of the OrthoBullets Audio Review Podcast will go over the topic of TKA perineal nerve palsy from the recon section on orthobullets.com. Perineal nerve palsy is a potentially devastating complication of total knee arthroplasty with an incidence between 0.3 to 2%. Risk factors for perineal nerve palsy after total knee arthroplasty include preoperative valgus and or flexion deformity, tourniquet time of greater than 120 minutes, postoperative use of epidural analgesia, aberrant retractor placement, and or a preoperative diagnosis of neuropathy, whether centrally or peripherally. As far as prognosis, 50% or more of patients that develop perineal nerve palsy after total knee replacement improve in time with no additional treatment. It's important to understand the anatomy of the perineal nerve, both to prevent and treat perineal nerve palsy after total knee arthroplasty. The common perineal nerve lies on the lateral head of the gastrocnemius at the level of the joint line. The distance from the posterolateral corner of the tibia to the perineal nerve is 9 millimeters to 15 millimeters at this level. As far as evaluation of perineal nerve palsy, an EMG should be obtained after three months if there is no improvement with observation alone. Initial postoperative management in all cases of perineal nerve palsy noted in the immediate postoperative period involves removing all compressive dressings and placing the knee in a flex position. An ankle foot orthosis, or AFO, is indicated for cases of complete foot drop secondary to perineal nerve palsy. If there is no recovery after three months, a late nerve decompression or muscle transfer may be indicated. A perineal nerve palsy with intact posterior tibial tendon strength that has failed conservative management is best treated with a posterior tibial tendon transfer to the dorsum of the foot. Now that we've gone over the major points about this topic, let's approach a handful of questions to apply the information and get a sense of how this topic has been tested on past exams. First question. A 62-year-old woman who underwent a primary total knee arthroplasty under a combined spinal epidural anesthetic presents five hours postoperatively with severe pain in the extremity that is unresponsive to narcotic pain medication. A tourniquet was used during the procedure, and on examination, the patient is unable to dorsiflex or plantarflex the foot, and the pulses appear to be asymmetric. What is the next most appropriate step in management? And the choices are, one, discontinuation of the epidural and serial neurologic exams, two, loosening of the surgical bandages and elevation of the extremity, three, MRI of the spine to evaluate for an epidural hematoma, four, return to the operating room for angiography and vascular bypass, and five, returning to the operating room for angiography, vascular bypass, and four-compartment fasciotomy. So the key pieces of information in this question stem are that the patient has severe pain in the extremity that is unresponsive to narcotic pain medication, and that her pulses are asymmetric on exam. So with those two critical pieces of information that we are given, we are led to believe that this patient has clinical evidence of vascular injury and compartment syndrome. Therefore, an emergent vascular consult and a return to the operating room for an angiogram and revascularization are needed. In these situations, thrombectomy alone is often not sufficient and a bypass is typically required and a four-compartment fasciotomy should be done following revascularization of the extremity. Therefore, the answer to this question is five, returning to the operating room for angiography, vascular bypass, and four-compartment fasciotomy. 68% of test takers answered this question correctly. Next question. 
at the level of tibial bone resection in total knee arthroplasty, where does the common perineal nerve lie? And the choices are 1. Deep to the arcuate ligament, 2. Closer to bone in larger legs, 3. On the muscle belly of the popliteus, 4. On the bony posterolateral corner of the tibia, and 5. Superficial to the lateral head of the gastrocnemius. So this is a straight anatomy question. So at the level of tibial bone resection in total knee arthroplasty, the common perineal nerve lies superficial to the lateral head of the gastrocnemius and is therefore protected by this structure. In an MRI study of 60 knees by Clark et al., the mean distance from the bony posterolateral corner of the tibia to the nerve was 1.49 centimeters with no distance less than 0.9 centimeters. The distance from the bone to nerve was greater in larger legs. So now back to the question, the correct answer here is 5. At the level of tibial bone resection in total knee arthroplasty, the common perineal nerve lies superficial to the lateral head of the gastrocnemius. 64% of test takers answered this question correctly. Next question. A 65-year-old female has severe knee arthritis with a significant flexion contracture and valgus deformity. In the recovery room following her total knee replacement, she is unable to dorsiflex her ankle. Management should include, and the choices are, 1. Application of an AFO to prevent an equinus contracture. 2. Unwrap any compressive dressings and flex the knee. 3. Immediate EMG. 4. Open exploration of the perineal nerve. And 5. Reassurance. So the patient in this question is immediately post-op from a total knee replacement for a valgus knee, and now she has a foot drop. Immediate treatment of a perineal nerve palsy following a total knee replacement consists of removing any compressive dressings, which may compress the nerve, and flexing the knee to release tension on the perineal nerve. Nurkessian et al. discussed the incidence and risk factors associated with postoperative perineal nerve palsy. They report risk factors that include correcting a severe valgus deformity of greater than 18 degrees, a flexion contracture of greater than 15.5 degrees, postoperative epidural analgesia, tourniquet time, and postoperative hematoma. So the correct answer to this question is 2. Unwrap any compressive dressings and flex the knee. 93% of test takers answered this question correctly. Next question. A 56-year-old male undergoes an uncomplicated revision total knee arthroplasty. Postoperatively, he is noted to have a foot drop that has persisted despite conservative management, including bracing and physical therapy. At two months, the patient undergoes external neurolysis with no improvement in function. At 18 months follow-up, he demonstrates passive ankle dorsiflexion 10 degrees past neutral, complete absence of active dorsiflexion, and 5 out of 5 inversion strength. Which of the following is the most appropriate treatment at this time? And the choices are 1. Continue ankle foot orthosis and physical therapy 2. Repeat neurolysis with possible nerve repair 3. Peroneus tertius transfer 4. Peroneus tertius transfer with Achilles tendon lengthening and 5. Posterior tibial tendon transfer to the dorsum of the foot So to quickly review Perineal nerve palsy following total knee arthroplasty or knee dislocation is a potentially devastating complication that may lead to lack of active dorsiflexion and a compensatory steppage gait pattern. Initial management consists of an ankle foot orthosis or AFO and physical therapy to maintain passive ankle dorsiflexion. 
if nerve function fails to return during the course of conservative management and the patient demonstrates intact posterior tibialis muscle strength, posterior tibial tendon transfer to the dorsum of the foot has been shown to improve functional outcomes and eliminate the need for continued bracing. The most common procedure for posterior tibial tendon transfer involves transferring the tendon through the interosseous membrane and inserting the tendon onto the lateral cuneiform bone. Prohinsky et al. reviewed the results of 10 patients at 61 months follow-up who underwent the bridal transfer, which is the procedure involving posterior tibialis transfer through the interosseous membrane and peroneus longus transfer to the front of the lateral malleolus for perineal nerve palsies. The authors concluded that the bridal procedure is adequate for return to function in low-demand individuals but may fail over time in those who return to vigorous physical activity. Rodriguez et al. reviewed the results of 10 patients who underwent the bridal procedure for peroneal nerve palsy in an attempt to balance their foot and provide dorsiflexion. All of their patients were brace-free at an average follow-up of 6.8 years. So the correct answer to this question is 5 posterior tibial tendon transfer to the dorsum of the foot, and 80% of test takers answered this question correctly. Next question, what preoperative knee deformity puts a patient at most risk for a postoperative perineal nerve palsy after total knee arthroplasty? And the choices are 1, valgus deformity only, 2, valgus and flexion contracture, 3, varus and flexion contracture, 4, varus deformity only, and 5, flexion contracture only. So conditions that have been associated with an increased prevalence of perineal nerve injury include a significant fixed valgus deformity and flexion contracture. Ayers et al. report a 0.58% cumulative prevalence of perineal nerve palsy after TKA in their review article. They state that possible mechanisms of nerve injury include traction during correction of a valgus deformity, ischemia when stretching of the surrounding soft tissue causing occlusion of small vessels, and compression by a tight dressing or splint. So the correct answer to this question is 2, valgus inflection contracture, and 92% of test takers answered this question correctly. Next question, a 65-year-old male undergoes a primary total knee arthroplasty. His preoperative radiographs are seen in figures A and B which show a severe valgus knee deformity on AP and a significant flexion contracture of the knee on the lateral. Postoperative examination reveals an inability to dorsiflex his ankle or extend his toes. Sensation is decreased along the dorsum of his foot as well as between the first and second toes. All of the following are risk factors for this complication following total knee arthroplasty except. So in this question, we're looking for a false statement and the choices are one, aberrant retractor placement, two, postoperative epidural analgesia, three, correction of a 20-degree preoperative valgus deformity, four, excessive medial release, and five, preoperative diagnosis of neuropathy. So to review again, perineal nerve palsy following a total knee arthroplasty has been shown to be associated with postoperative epidural analgesia, correction of large valgus deformities, and preoperative diagnosis of neuropathy in the involved extremity, whether centrally or peripherally. One may also sustain perineal nerve palsies following aberrant retractor placement intraoperatively. Idesuyi et al. performed a retrospective review and found a significant increase in the relative risk developing a perineal nerve palsy following total knee arthroplasty in patients who received postoperative epidural analgesia, had prior lumbar laminectomies, 
and had preoperative valgus deformities of greater than 12 degrees. The review by Nerkesian et al. discusses the above risk factors, treatments, and prognosis of a perineal nerve palsy following total knee arthroplasty. Most studies in this review demonstrated approximately 50% complete recovery with a higher likelihood of complete recovery associated with a less severe initial injury. The time to recovery ranged from 18 months to 5 years, and while nerve exploration was seen to help in a small group of patients, this treatment modality remains controversial. So if we go back to the question, the only choice that is false in the context of risk factors for perineal nerve palsy following total knee arthroplasty is 4 excessive medial release, which is the right answer here. And 84% of test takers answered this correctly. Next question. After completion of bone preparation during a total knee arthroplasty, the lateral compartment is tight in both flexion and extension. At what point during the release is the perineal nerve at greatest risk for injury? And the choices are 1. Release of the posterior capsule. 2. Release of the posterior lateral capsule with the knee extended. 3 release of the posterior lateral capsule with the knee flexed, four, release of the iliotibial band with the knee extended, and five, release of the iliotibial band with the knee flexed. So this is another anatomy question. The perineal nerve traverses the proximal aspect of the knee joint in the interval between the biceps femoris and the lateral gastrocnemius. The lateral gastrocnemius muscle provides some protection for the perineal nerve, as we mentioned. Cadaveric studies have suggested that the perineal nerve can be as close as 7 millimeters to 9 millimeters from the posterior lateral corner with the knee in extension, where it is at greatest risk for injury. The iliotibial band is anterior to the course of the perineal nerve at the joint line. So, the correct answer to this question is 2. Release of the posterior lateral capsule with the knee extended. 72% of test takers answered this question correctly. And the final question, a 66-year-old woman reports pain in both of her knees that has been recalcitrant to non-surgical management. Radiographs including an AP of both knees, lateral and patellar views of the more symptomatic left knee, and a mechanical axis are shown. The lateral radiograph shows maximal knee extension, and since you can't see the films, they basically show severe valgus deformity on AP and a significant flexion contracture on lateral. So the question asks, when counseling the patient preoperatively regarding the risks of total knee arthroplasty, she should be educated that she is at higher risk than the typical patient for which of the following complications. And the choices are 1. Deep venous thrombosis, 2. Perineal nerve injury, 3. Wound healing problems, 4. Femoral component loosening, and 5. Quadriceps tendon rupture. So this should be a home run at this point the patient has a large valgus deformity and flexion contracture that places her at increased risk for a perineal nerve injury, which is what you should be counseling this patient about as far as her increased risk of developing this complication. Remember, the perineal nerve is tethered at the fibular head, and correction of her valgus deformity and flexion contracture at the time of total knee arthroplasty can stretch the nerve, leading to perineal nerve palsy. So, the correct answer here is 2 perineal nerve injury, and 94% of test takers knocked this one out of the park. That's all for this review of TKA perineal nerve palsy. Hopefully that was helpful. Let us know if you like this slightly different format for reviewing the topic. And speaking of letting us know, we'll be putting out a survey about the podcast in the next week or so where we would truly appreciate your feedback about the OrthoBullets audio review so far. 
We want to make this as valuable of a resource as possible for you. So the survey is your chance to let us know what you want more of, what you want less of, and what you haven't heard yet that you would like to hear in the future. Thanks so much for listening. This is the OrthoBullets audio review, a daily podcast by OrthoBullets. See you tomorrow.